the views expressed on the podcast are 100% correct, so don't worry about it. Hey, beautiful babies. Uh, welcome uh, once again to uh, the only podcast with 100% correct takes. This is the International Internet Strangers Mixtape. Uh, my name is Damon. And I'm Zen. For those just joining us, last week we uh, did a, a bit of a dive on uh, Stormfront by Billy Joel. Yep. And even though we are officially putting this out bi-weekly, fortnightly if you will, uh, I'm still going to refer to the previous episode as last week. That's. I mean, it's, you know, when you say last week, it's not like a unit of time. It's like, you know. Right. It's, you know, it's, it's like a, it's, it's a kind of yeah. subjective measurement, I think. Exactly. Yeah. Previously on. So, oh yeah. So we, we dove into uh, Stormfront. I almost called the album We Didn't Start the Fire. That would have been a... <laughs> one of the numerous singles. So I, I just, I have a couple follow-ups from that. Uh, one, Elton John, not on Sgt. Pepper. Uh, he has a very brief IMDB as an actor. Mm. So he, uh, his oldest credit, Tommy, Sure. Uh, he's the, the pinball wizard in Tommy. Uh, he's in Spice World. Of course, yeah. Uh, he's a voice on The Road to El Dorado. Maybe he's the narrator? Huh. I didn't write it down. Uh, he plays himself in The Country Bears, uh, which is a movie based on uh, not a ride at Disneyland, but like an animatronic pavilion, The Country Bears Jamboree. It's like they were like, do you know what? Pirates of the Caribbean was such a success. Let's look at all the ridiculously obscure rides and features around the park and turn them into films. Well, I think this might actually predate Pirates. Oh, no. Yeah. This was the inspiration uh, for Pirates. Yeah, since Country Bears did so poorly, they said, let's give Gore Verbinski $100 million to make yeah. a Pirates ride. This is it. This is the thought process. So, Country Bears, and then his most recent uh, acting credit, Kingsman, The Golden Circle. Ah, yes, I have seen that one. Have you seen that one? Uh, I saw the first one. I don't think I saw the second one. Golden Circle's the second one, right? Yeah. Yeah, I didn't I didn't know that was based on a graphic novel. Like, yeah. it makes total sense. And I think maybe I did and forgot. But yeah, it makes total sense. I don't know if you remember, in the first one, Samuel L. Jackson's character is kidnapping people and he kidnaps mark hamill mm -hmm. but in the movie he's like mark hamill is like doctor something 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 but in the comic it, he literally kidnaps mark hamill oh wow oh that's yeah it's, it was a cool cool little reference it's, like, it's it's amazing the because we talk about comic book movies all the time you know and, mm. and there's people with the hot take that oh the film industry is bereft of ideas it's all comic book adaptations but it has been for a long time like league of extraordinary gentlemen is based on a graphic novel yeah. Yeah, yeah and i haven't read the whole thing but i've read the first like couple like issues of it i'm like oh no this is way good was it alan moore i think it is because it was always on the shelf next to watchmen next to watchmen okay i was gonna say it starts off really cool really in depth and the art is just just wild so so, so. Comics, music, things. Things. Uh, Elton John versus Billy Joel. Billy Joel's only acting credit uh, in a film is Oliver and Company, which we love. Which I watched, and it, it's okay. I don't. <laughs> I don't have. <laughs> I don't have the uh, the love. I didn't connect to it as a, a younger person. So the. So what you're saying is you weren't a small 
ginger child clinging onto every orange character in popular culture. That's that's the case, yeah. But the the same reason I, I don't have the this necessary necessary affection for Oliver and Company is kind of why I do like the Great Mouse Detective. Is it's just one that was in the rotation when I was when I was little. Uh, so those are yeah. So watch Oliver and Company. It's okay. Yeah, those are my notes. That's all my catching up. Oh man, I can't believe your whole experience of Oliver and Company boils down to it's okay. When I uh, was like five years old, <laughs> apparently I loved it so much. Okay. I did an interpretive dance oh, for my mum. Oh, that's glorious. Inspired by Oliver and Company. Um, wow. So yeah. I yeah. I guess I can't say I've ever loved a film that much. I mean, I, I haven't since either, apparently. I, I don't even know if I've written like a school report on Ferris Bueller's Day Off, so. But, you know, I suppose, in a way, that is probably my Billy Joel origin story. That, yeah, that absolutely would be. That's funny. I thought Billy Joel was good in it. Yeah, so this week, spooky season is upon us, and we... Uh, had discussed a couple of different things that, that we could do to celebrate and really taking the show one episode at a time as well. We don't necessarily have a spooky season season planned, but we did, uh, or Zen rather, notice that the 29 years? Oh, don't make me feel old. Right? Yes. Yeah. I think it's 29 years. Nigh on, nigh on 30 years almost. <laughs> Yeah. Oh, that is the that is so. One of the clips I want for my soundboard is uh, for conversations like this. Just James Hetfield yelling, "Time marches on." Time marches on. September tenth, nineteen ninety three, uh, in the United States, the first episode of The X Files aired on Fox, and what we learned in in doing a, a bit of research before, like seconds before we hit record. Mm. Um, didn't air in the UK until the 19th of uh, September 1994, the following year. So it's so weird to think of that now, though. Like, imagine, if you will, Game of Thrones airing in the United States a full year before it airs. You just could not, like... Yeah. Yeah, it just blows my mind. Like, I, I remember being a little kid talking about the simpsons on the playground so few people at school had sky had like satellite oh yeah we didn't know what the simpsons was and there were like a few kids who had seen it and it was like yeah oh man gosh four years ago now five i had decided to do a total rewatch of the x-files x-files one of the few series So at a certain point, it didn't become that impressive to have seen every episode of something. But when I finished watching The X-Files, it wasn't streaming anywhere. We were borrowing a friend's Mm. X-Files DVDs. It was, it it meant more to say, I've seen, I have watched all of The X-Files. And I see, I don't even have the the credibility that I watched them as they aired. Mm. I remember watching, certainly the first season, most of it, like me and my mum used to watch it together. And I loved it so much that uh, I bought... You could buy episodes, a single episode on a VHS yeah. tape. I bought the episode of Tombs on VHS. That's, <laughs> that's so wild. That was the thing I wanted, oh. you know. 
Yep. My oh, let's yeah. I guess we I guess we ought to go ahead and start with X Files Origins. Mm. Mine really not that interesting. I was eighteen before I watched a whole episode of the X Files. Wow. Um, it was. Had you heard of it beforehand? Oh, absolutely. I mean, it's it's in the the Bare Naked Ladies song. There was a Simpsons episode. Yeah. So if we count that Simpsons episode, which is top shelf Simpsons. Then that was my first X Files. Oh, is that that's the one where Mr. Burns is like an alien and he's like, yeah. "Good morning, starshine." The Earth says hello. Yeah, Nimoy is there and everything. Yeah, yeah. That's that's uh, man, classic like season seven. Yeah, yeah. But uh, but yeah, it was like not my mom's thing, and so we didn't watch it as a family, and I just never had a pull towards it to watch it on my own. So it it just kind of went by. To occupy so uh yeah one night surfing channels i was like oh this is the beginning of an episode of the x-files let's let's watch it and it was such a mythology episode it's the episode where scully is pregnant i don't know i can't remember the episode that well i think is gives birth the right way to say it i i kind of know what you're referencing but i can't yeah. remember it like yeah it's like a season seven episode you know just deep deep in the mythos and i'm like this is on i don't know i don't know what it was that, that grabbed me on that one episode but then uh we had a f family friend maybe like a year later and they loved the x-files they had all the dvds in like 2003 they had all the dvds like they jumped right on it yeah, yeah. and so they invited our family over and they had handpicked like four episodes <laughs> which is brilliant a brilliant thing to do like okay you rated X-Files night. Yeah, so we're going to come here. We're going to watch uh, the one where, like, the kid controls the weather. The town's got a drought. Mm -hmm. And uh, we watched the Cops episode. Oh, I don't remember that. Where it's like an episode of Cops. And they're being followed, followed around by, like, a live camera crew. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So Cops is one of those shows that, like, I've never actually seen, but I've seen parodied so many times that gotcha. I know what you're talking about. Yeah, which for me a long time was the X-Files. Sure, yeah, yeah. Yeah, then a few years ago I decided to to go through and keep a, a spreadsheet yeah. and the information that I, I wanted to keep track of. You know, season number, episode number, title, uh, what state it takes place in. Uh, is it a mythology episode? Yes or no? What, what do you define as mythology? Instead of a monster of the week, like if it has to do with the wider alien conspiracy. Right, 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 right. So the kind of... The overarching narrative rather than kind of spin-off contained yeah, yeah yeah so like episode two deep throat he becomes like a character with who really introduces the conspiracy and and, and everything so that's episode two is a yes he didn't put episode one down because i mean you know Mulder's talking about his sister being abducted and right yeah uh but i guess anyway at the time i didn't and then i've got a, a column of hashtags right uh, just things to remember what that episode is if the title doesn't give it away like episode 7 ghost in the machine my hashtags are hal 9000 jobs uh was there's ai that goes haywire so that's the hal 9000 and it's competing tech guys so jobs and was yeah 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 so hashtags uh is scully in peril <laughs> in the episode yes or no come on we need some stats oh well so i only got 23 episodes of it down but who knows? It seems about split with Scully in peril. 
okay. Then, like, what is it uh, monster or sci-fi? What monster or gimmick it is? So, episode one, it's abduction. Uh-huh. Episode four, it's tombs. Yep. Are there recurring characters in there? Episode one, Smoking Man, obviously. Two has Deep Throat. Yeah. Uh, three has Tombs. Um, and then 10 and 11 have Deep Throat again. Episode 12, Phoebe Green. I don't remember who Phoebe Green is now, but <laughs> apparently apparently watching, what's episode 12? Fire, the pyrokinetic one. Mm. Um, apparently I recognize somebody coming back later. Doesn't, doesn't ring a bell. Beautiful I mean, babies, I... do yourself a favor. Watch season one, episode 12. Yeah. <laughs> Let us know. I put an X for each episode that has sunflower seeds. Uh, if there's a famous guest star, you know, episode two, Seth Green. Seth Green as as a little baby stoner. Yeah. Uh, episode eight, I I've written down an actor that I whose name I don't recognize, but Ooh. obviously I recognized his face when I watched the episode. <laughs> Steve Steve Hitner, H Y T N E R, and Felicity Huffman. Oh yeah, Sorry. Felicity Huffman, but come on Steve, who are you? Oh, he looks familiar. What's he been in? Prophecy? No. Bad vegan? No. Oh, he's on Seinfeld. He's what's that guy's name? The annoying other comic. Yeah, 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 yeah. Kenny Banya. Very good, yeah. Uh next column, Scully's reports. Yeah. Does she write a report back to to the fbi that falls off after a couple seasons yeah. uh check box for whether scully does an autopsy <laughs> um and uh the last column that i i had is undressed <laughs> if Mulder or scully at some point in the episode becomes undressed brilliant perfect um, love it of the episodes i watched only two uh obviously scully in the episode we watched today yeah. and then Mulder in episode 12 a lot going on in episode 12 I'm going to have to watch it now. Find out who Phoebe Green is. Who's Phoebe Green? And we'll report back in a fortnight. Beautiful babies. I'm going to write it down. doesn't mean much, but I'll write it down. Um, so, man, I really hijacked the, the origins. Do you have anything else on how you started watching X-Files? Oh, man. So, yeah, I guess. All right, set the scene. Nine-year-old me. Um, I don't know. I guess I was a weird little kid. I I didn't have a lot in common with a lot of people, but one of the things that me and my mum had in common was we liked sci-fi. So we used to watch Star Trek The Next Generation together, and then we saw adverts for this show that was coming out that was all about like alien abductions and stuff, and it looked amazing, but quite scary. And it was on... I feel like it was on quite late at night. I was also... It would make sense, yeah. Nine years old, so it could have been like eight in the evening it's it's a show that feels late at night yeah uh but yeah yeah you know like my sister and my dad no interest in that kind of stuff so it kind of felt like mine and my mum's thing which was nice yeah that's that's really cool and i i have such clear memories of watching the first episodes it just it just feels so iconic to me like i can remember specific scenes with billy in the woods and the the spotlights the, the lights yeah yeah, yeah. saying that Rewatching it, I've rewatched it a few times over the past couple of weeks when we talked about this. Uh-huh. I still don't entirely understand the plot of the first episode. Oh, that feels so comforting to say because I, I I watched it and then while I was epi- editing the last episode, I also kind of had it running mm. uh, on my phone to take some notes, and uh, I, it hit me. I was like, "But what actually does happen?" Yeah, 
Yeah, hundred percent. Because I was like, okay, first time I watched it, I was like, all right, maybe I've got the the nostalgia glasses on. Maybe I'm like mm-hmm. not paying attention. Yeah. I've literally watched this episode at least three times. I've had it on in the background <laughs> four or five times. I cannot tell you what we're meant to think happens. Yeah. And I think it is a pilot episode, you know, they are just kind of establishing a couple of things. And so mate, that's not really what the writing is focused on. And I think they maybe want it to be specifically nebulous so that they, when they go to series, they can decide later, but Mm. they want you to say, okay, aliens are at least a maybe. (laughs) This is it. You, you love these two characters. That's what they want you to know. That is it. Nail on the head. One of my notes was, feel like it starts off clearly from the position that aliens are real. Doesn't feel like there's much room for interpretation. Except, because yeah, the second time I was watching it, I was like, oh yeah, obviously this one's got a Scooby-Doo ending. But then as it kept going, I was like, wait, but does it? If it's a Scooby-Doo, then who? It's a Scooby-Doo ending, but then you've still got the lights and the crazy zhuzhing. Yeah. And they never explain that. I, I rewatched like the the final scene again last night where they're uh, debriefing Doctor Scully, um, and her conclusion seems to be that Billy is being controlled or like given signal through the implant in his nose, right? Uh, and directed to take other people from the graduating class of 1989, which was a it, I mean, that's UFO lore. Like, I guess if with abduction stories, you have like a connecting tie like that, maybe it never fully pulls pays off in the episode. I'm shrugging skeptically yeah. here because um, I just I don't feel like they ever. You know, there's all these factors. There's like there's the the nose implant. There's the orangutan. There's oh man, Billy who can suddenly walk. There's the girl I forget her name. The girl in the wheelchair who can suddenly walk. Yeah. and run in front of the bus. And doesn't have any muscle atrophy yeah. having been sat in a wheelchair for years you know like ah, there's just so many what so well let, let's let's start at the top let's let's go okay, okay. so the first the first thing that i noticed in um beautiful babies the first thing you'll notice in this episode no theme song yeah just yeah. the title card and then the claim that these are based on actual events yeah so that's one of my notes that's like as a child, yeah, watching that reading inspired by actual events was so creepy yeah. and, and like uh, thrilling, trustworthy. Yeah, yeah. Wow, this is like a documentary. Some, yeah, know? something you could definitely take back to the playground and like really lean on. No, it yeah. said actual events. <laughs> yeah. um, and while I definitely miss Mark Snow's. Uh, intro like the the music absolutely iconic untouchably good the idea of just putting up that title card feels so like what the those early days of reality tv basically what cops was okay because i mean cops did have like the bad boys theme but like when you came back from commercial it was just like cops and the flashing lights behind them like it adds this this verite this late night you stumbled upon some kind of truth like it it's it's a strong state, especially, I mean, and it, it's the pilot. Maybe you don't have this thing written, but the effect, well, however intentional, I think it's very effective starting, boom, the X-Files. Good air of mystery. Um, it's, I, I don't know, like, in, in, in the UK, 
a few years before that, there had been a Halloween hoax where there was a fake documentary that was played on the BBC, I think. Um, There was like a kind of fake uh, poltergeist paranormal investigation. Oh, okay. And it, it, it was meant to be like a kind of modern day you know, War of the Worlds kind of right. uh, tricking the general population, whatever. And it fucking worked. People really spooked out. Like, Well, and I mean, like, if you had aired paranormal activity on broadcast television and yeah. didn't say anything else about it, you could totally War of the Worlds a movie like that. Oh, totally. And, and they roped in a really reputable um, uh, news reporter as well. So welcome live this Halloween night to the first ever TV Ghost Watch. That's the scene in uh, Fox Hill Drive in Northolt. Our outside broadcast units are there. That's the house where it might all happen tonight or it might not. We shall see. We're going to investigate one of the most baffling and fascinating areas of human experience, the supernatural. Tonight, television is going ghost hunting in an unprecedented scientific experiment we hope to show you for the first time irrefutable proof that ghosts really do exist. I'm joined in the studio by Dr. Lynn Pascoe to give her expert technical advice. Throughout the programme, I'll be taking other expert opinion about the supernatural from both here and America. You'll be telling us your ghost stories. And as our tale unfolds, we'll be taking your calls about just what you're seeing. So when X-Files came out, there was a kind of like a semi kind of superstition about like how much is it actually based yeah. on real things you know mm-hmm. like and i think that made it kind of more it kind of hyped it up even more you know so we see young young woman out in the woods and super bright light and then there's a, a figure who looks like uh tv static yeah was... like you, you know in retrospect you watch it you can see it's a it's a guy with curtains wearing pajamas but sure you know, but when it... you first watch it it's like what, what is this it, it's a man it's a human yeah, yeah that's it. it looks equally hokey and effective I, yeah. like I, I got both those vibes watching it like okay that's okay but i kind of see how do you how that's do you it. and you have to put yourself back yeah. 25 years in terms of VFX. We as see, well, and so. then the and then the young woman is no longer there. Oh, I think we yeah. also see the next day where they find her, roll her over, and she's got the two marks on her back. Then once we go to the FBI, we immediately see the smoking man. I yeah did really not realize, idea. and every time we watch it, I do not realize <laughs> that he is there from the from the jump. Um, yeah. So young FBI uh, agent Dana Scully being given kind of a uh, bummer of an assignment. And she introduces us to, to Mulder, uh, Oxford educated. That's a fun little uh, Mulder detail I forget about. And yep. spooky Mulder. Terrible nickname. Yeah. Come on. come. On. And I love that it sticks with him. Like he's spooky Mulder a couple of times throughout the show. And I love it. And we follow her down through, you know, these walls of boxes and, and everything into the basement office of the X-Files. Yep. And, this this feels like very i guess it wasn't hasn't aged well welcome to the fbi's most unwanted yeah. like oh wow you that that's not a funny line at all anymore it's not not even no, like inappropriate it's just there's a lot there's a lot from episode one that's not aged terribly well yeah. but you know we get our first peak of that um iconic i want to believe poster absolutely 
it's so good. It's it it sets the foundations for the rest of the X Files. Yeah, and in in a series where not everything is subtle, you know, yeah. that is a well designed poster. And I, I maybe it was a poster that was around before the show started, and they. That is a good question. I don't know. I don't know. I but. Don't know. But it's a good, simple poster, and it really sums up one of the underlying features of the show. I mean, it's it's kind of the the crux of his character, really. From from the very first moment that you meet Mulder, you've got that poster. That's like that. That is the kind of the 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 essence of of Fox Mulder. Is he wants to believe? You know, he wants to believe. Yeah. Let's see. One of one of my notes here is Mulder says Oregon wrong. No. What does he say? He says Oregon. Oregon female, age twenty one, no explainable cause of death. He fixes. I think he fixes it later, but in that first scene, he says Oregon, an Oregon girl, uh, a young Oregon woman. Oh no! Do you know what? I didn't notice that he said Oregon wrong. Oregon, Oregon. I, I feel weird saying that word now. Um, he says an Oregon female, and yeah. it just sounds so creepy. It's like it's just... very Ferengi. Oregon female, age twenty-one, no explainable cause of death. Uh, yeah, so Mulder says Oregon wrong, and and then they fly out. So so basically, Mulder introduces Scully to the this is what I do. Yeah. And here's this weird story, and we're gonna go to Oregon and check it out. Yeah. But why is that flight scene in there? Why are they on the plane and there's turbulence and Fox sleeps through it? Okay, so here's my theory. This whole episode is setting up Scully as this kind of. Yeah, sure, she's meant to be kind of multi-dimensional because on the one hand, she's sent there to spy on him and therefore she's powerful in a position of power. But on the flip side, she's so weak and pathetic. It's really upsetting. Yeah. Like, she's she's like, oh, I'm scared of the airplane. Oh, Mulder, I've got mosquito bites that are really scary and yeah. confusing. Please look at my oh, body. That's another scene where I say, why is this in the episode? But I was just thinking about yeah. the, the flight. I'm like, that was just such a weird moment there. But yeah, it feels like it's there to say, mm, Mulder is is cool and, and He's takes... unshaken. Exactly. He takes on frightening things and doesn't give a fuck. He's a cool dude. And Scully is a scared lady. I, I don't know. I did write... It, it makes my teeth curl. I don't like it. I did write down, did they fly over the spooky spot? Yeah, yeah. But Yeah, when he's like, this must be the place. This must be the place. Yeah, so they, they get to Oregon, they're driving through the woods on the way to, to the site of the... Do they do the, Does the car break down? Do they have the weird radio thing before the ex- exhumation or on the way to the exhumation? On the way, because he marks on the ground... With the X. The, the X, and then they see it on the way back. That's right. When it's... Yeah. Because a, a different medical examiner did the autopsy on this latest girl and reported something that apparently the first medical examiner had had withheld they're going to exhume the bodies of the other victims the other class of 89 <laughs> um yeah. and so one one of the things about uh, the 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 word i wrote down was sensational something very sensational yeah. we are exhuming a body and then the visual of that weird orangutan corpse yeah just like oh let's let's bring something real shocking let's like real late night tv totally so there was a magazine called like 14 times or something uh-huh. and they had the whole roswell all the photos like 
just before the X-Files came out. So it must have been like early 94 or something like that. And I bought it because it was like, ah, that's the Roswell phone. And I don't know, it just, it, again, maybe that was my life experience, but I felt like that was so much in the zeitgeist at the time that that kind of, you know, alien autopsy yeah. was really... I guess it is a very, like, grisly, very effective image even now. Like, oh, yeah. that's not... Right, and then the idea, oh, an orangutan, okay, that's something that's earthbound that could be shaped like that, but to see that shape in a human's coffin, like, I thought that was, I thought that was great. And they never explained it, though, did they, really, in the yeah, episode? Yeah, not really. How did the orangutan get in the yeah, coffin? Yeah, what, was that his body, had that been changed? I think that was floated as a hypothesis, but I don't think they... No, because there's a line where Mulder's like, oh, explain that to his family. Yeah. I can't remember the character's name that's been replaced with an orangutan. Yeah, course, but let's call him Gary. I feel like it's Ryan. Yeah, what's what's the medium between Gary and Ryan? Ryan. Is it a chimpanzee or something from the ape family? Possibly an orangutan. Buried in the city cemetery in Ray Soames's grave. Try telling that to the good townsfolk or to Ray Soames's family. So an issue that I, I had with this episode, and I think part of this comes down to they film in. And maybe they, I, they didn't film the pilot in Vancouver, but most of the show was filmed in Vancouver. And so you're hiring some local actors and every single official person outside of the FBI looks exactly the same. The sheriff, <laughs> the medical examiner, the detective, like everybody involved in Belfleur, Oregon. I don't know who's who. That's amazing. Uh, they, they all look like a vice principal in a high school. They got just no colored hair. It's not gray. It's not brown. They're not blonde. It's yeah. kind of nothing hair. When when they're digging up the body, somebody gets out of a car. This young woman gets out of a car and says, "Hey, help me! You have to help me!" And then the medical examiner is like, "No, get back in the car." He's like the dad or something. Yeah, yeah, it's her dad. But even yeah. though that's that feels like a, a person who's maybe normally lives in an attic and doesn't see sunlight. I'm going to take you where you'll be safe, Teresa. Detective Miles and I won't let anything happen to you, I promise. Yeah. Oh, man. I Complete tangent. I uh, I think I said the other week, I signed up for an Amazon Prime um, freebie. Got a Shudder trial that I forgot oh, to cancel. Yeah. But I am really enjoying it. And I watched a really terrible film today called The Woman. Yep. Like, the premise, everything, it's terrible. On paper, terrible. I really enjoyed it. It's it's so bad, it's good. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, but yeah, it's it's there's lots of creepy kind of, uh, you know, people kept in cellars kind of vibes going on. Yeah, so this, uh, this episode is our very first account of Samantha Mulder's abduction. Yeah. And I feel like we get two or three slightly different stories in the early seasons um yeah i'm not sure they could make their mind up could they yeah and one of the one of the like very basic um because there's there's a simplistic term that i don't think is is necessarily fair but uh, when you're inside the the church of jesus christ of latter-day saints you'd say it's an anti-mormon stance and they would say that joseph smith gave several different accounts of the first vision i was like right sure but so does fox Mulder. fox gives <laughs> several different accounts of samantha's abduction so do you know what though as as a as a kind of cheeky rebellious teen, that's actually a valid pushback. Like I feel like it's fair to say, but it's fair to say that humans are fallible, 
and have have you know different recollections yeah. of experiences and that's fair that's fine and you don't always tell the same story the same way yeah so yeah anyway so yeah we hear about <laughs> fox's sister being abducted this is why he's spooky yeah. why he's interested in in the paranormal they do get uh an interview with the medical examiner's daughter who yep. sees like she sees conspiracy and all this she knows something weird is going on and they interview her in a diner oh the diner and i love that yeah that's so cool i i like okay here let's just talk this is a thing because they're out in the field they don't have an office to take her to and the local authorities aren't being professional is that like <laughs> you know so many moments in this episode that i was watching it thinking you know years of like uh csi and stuff like that oh that yeah has the realities of these yeah. these jobs makes you think about you know, stuff like chain of evidence yeah, where where yeah. scully finds dirt and puts it in and her pocket it's just like they're, they're in the car and she's just like hey look i've got a little handful of dirt here what do you think I've, I've got a handful of dirt and then oh we we've already got the uh the gratuitous gratuitous underpants scene your thoughts on the gratuitous underpants scene yes i know it was 1993 but mm-hmm. I want to have a word with the makeup artist because there is no way on this planet that they could feasibly yep. be mosquito bites. Yeah. I'm sorry. But they have to make it no. look enough like the weird uh, pencil erasers that the other kids had, but also like maybe it's not quite that and there are three of them instead of two. Yeah. And it's just yeah. a very early 90s wardrobe situation. That whole scene where she's just like... yeah. It's, it's so upsetting to me. <laughs> like, oh, you know, knowing Gillian Anderson now has this like absolute kick ass. She's a, a feminine force, force yeah. to be reckoned oh, with. Man. You know, you look yeah. at like Stella um, in The Fall, you look at Gene um, uh-huh. in Sex Education, just like the coolest, most feminist, badass characters. And then you've got Scully turning up <laughs> in her silky underwear. On this colleague's doorstep that she met the day before, just like falling yeah. over him. It's it's gross. It's gross. But like I say, nineteen ninety-three. Yeah. So it's it's I mean it's the time. It's a very early acting job for her, so you know, you don't the character doesn't stay in that sort of No, no, totally. Don't get me wrong. Scully evolves yeah. so much. Both the characters evolve. But yeah, man, this first episode is like, why even, who even is Scully? I mean, it's just like a real, real brick-handed way of saying, oh, there's a will they, won't they? Keep watching the show, they might have romance. But just like... Yeah, please, please, like, renew the pilot. There's some sexual tension here. We'll do it better next time, but like, you get it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, so that was not well done. (laughs) That gets better. And I'm I'm glad eventually is. Oh, what do you, you have? I was just gonna say another note on that kind of similar vibe uh, from my from my notebook. Have they never heard of umbrellas? Oh yeah. <laughs> so there's a couple of scenes in this first episode where they're just like having really intense conversations in pouring rain. They're both yeah. getting absolutely soaked and just like chatting to each other. Yeah, Mulder's got a, a can of orange spray paint in the back of his rental car, but didn't bring an umbrella to Oregon. Right? What? Yeah, but you know, but the scenes in the rain far more dramatic. Sure. So, 
I mean, that's oh gosh, another line like uh, that did not age well is the uh, uh, the nurse, the orderly, the medical professional uh, watching over Billy, and when they ask her about this other girl, uh, she says, "That's not my aisle of the produce section." I'm like, ooh. Yes. You've been waiting to call your patients vegetables, haven't you? That's there's like a couple of vegetable jokes in there. Yeah, and you know, trying to balance like we're also edgy, we're young and and cool and hip, and we we're '90s type disrespectful people. The boy in the hospital, the vegetable. Yeah, because you know, I mean, obviously we're focusing on episode one, but then you know, you, you look ahead to episode two. You got Seth Green's little stoner dude and like Mulder and Scully are doing these kind of like knowing eye rolls like yeah we know we know you're smoking weed we know you're <laughs> having sex in a field because we're hip that's yeah that also felt cringy personally <laughs> so so they they get all these you know they do an autopsy on the weird orangutan yeah they've got all these notes and reports and they're all very professionally kept in their hotel room <laughs> I, as much as I love the image of that x-ray sitting on the hotel lamp, oh yeah, like, it's that's wait. cool as hell. It's awful. It's awful behavior. Every time I, because I, I've rewatched it a few times, the line uh-huh. that jumped out at me is when David Duchovny is like prancing up and down outside yes. the, the burning hotel going, the, the x-ray's in the picture. <laughs> the x-ray's in the picture. Yeah. <laughs> Fox, act like you've been here before. Act like you belong. Yeah. It's um yeah, and I love you know what this could mean? That was a, a phrase that again, it's the pilot, you're selling everybody on the show. Nobody at this point has seen a single episode of the X Files. So you have to lead them there. But man, okay, yeah, you know what this could mean. It's what the show's about. You don't have to It means there could be aliens. Okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. You know what this could mean? It's almost too big to even comprehend. Yeah, and the, oh gosh, and then I didn't even take notes on they go back out to the forest. Yeah. The sheriff or the medical examiner or some law enforcement. So that, that confused me again because it was like you see the bright white light and you're like, oh, it's the aliens yeah. again. And then it's like, no, it's the headlights of the whoever he is, the sheriff oh, yeah. or whatever. It's like, hey, I guess it. Hey, I guess it wasn't the aliens because when that light came, I was like, "Okay, the aliens are here, but it's this guy instead." Yeah. No, the, yeah, they weren't the aliens. And what were they trying so hard to cover up? It's like a m- miniature conspiracy. It just, What's that? Well, because because Billy was his son. Yeah. But why were they out in the forest with the light? I don't know. It was like, I don't know. I. Am I being really sick? It, it didn't make sense to me. Maybe it's the idea that Billy is in, like, he's not living a, an up and active life. He's he's um, he's non-responsive, catatonic. I, yeah, yeah. I, I don't remember exactly how they describe him. But this, you know, one night a week or however often, he can get up and, and go around and, you know, this is the life that he has. And if he's stopped from doing it what does he have left nah you're reaching you're reaching (laughs) i i really am because it's like this sub conspiracy to keep the information quiet beneath the broader governmental conspiracy to keep it quiet that we see 
because they they go back to Washington. They they give their report. They say everything was destroyed, but this is what happened. Dana, do you think, or Agent Scully, do you think that there are aliens? And she says, uh, Agent Mulder thinks we're not alone. I'm like, well, that's not really what this case was about, right. whether we're alone or not. Like, what do you think this was that happened? And she has the one last piece of evidence. I guess she got all the dirt out of her pocket. That wasn't there anymore. <laughs> but it was a, it was in a hanky the second time. Is it like? A... Oh yeah, and that that burned up. Yeah, it might have been ash to start with, so mm. it's mixed in with all the other ones. Uh, so they they've got their last piece of evidence, and Dana thinks this is really neat. We've we've got this nasal implant that was controlling this kid, and and we see the smoking man you know very raiders of the lost ark walk it into this giant warehouse poorly lit put it in with the collection it's not a full collection yeah i love those containers though like it's it's specifically built to have like five or six of these little jars that the nasal implant fits in yeah he puts it back he walks out there's a very helpful diagram on the back of the door telling you this is definitely the pentagon <laughs> just in case you didn't it's, get it this is the government yeah. this is what we fire escape this yeah. is and if there's a fire in this area <laughs> this is how you get out of the pentagon which is where we are yeah so but i do have to say that warehouse rules for <laughs> for a pilot episode that's such a great set um, you know it didn't cost them much i assume <laughs> yeah yeah I, it's pr- probably easily enough done in an existing warehouse if you can get the lighting right yeah and you only need the one aisle for it to really give the the vibe you're after. Yeah, it totally did, though. Like, again, trying to get myself back into the mindset of eight or nine-year-old me. Yeah, it just felt so spooky and, like, you know, threatening and official. Yeah. And... and, you know, we saw all this evidence. Looking at it now, evidence of what, I'm not sure. No. But we saw all this evidence, and they can just take that and put it in a box and it's gone what else are they you know it's especially for yeah for a little nine-year-old zen i can see that that's really really taking it exactly at face value yeah exactly man that's powerful dude i wonder how many QAnon people it spawned you know oh so many (laughs) that's 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 the other thing that makes a an x-files rewatch a little more difficult it's like oh the the gunmen are probably q guys oh yeah 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 that that's and that i mean that last season of the x-files that they did they tried to to bring the modern conspiracy the right wing sort of thing with the joel McHale character how far did you get with it have you seen all of it or? uh yeah i think I've, i'm pretty sure i watched all of it but i've it's left my head i remember kumail was in an episode oh wow and uh i think i i lost touch like i think actually after the the first film i say first i assume there were more than one uh yeah well the the second film so there was fight the future that came out between seasons five and six yeah and then in 2008 there was i want to believe which i have on dvd (laughs) it's okay yeah It, it doesn't it's not a satisfying return to these characters no so i i think i lost touch after fight the future to be honest okay and fair fair enough it's it's a struggle honestly after that um but yeah i for for completionist sake i had gone through and yeah finished the i think it's nine seasons the original run and then 
when they did 10 uh, and then 11, I, I watched them as they, as they came out and you know, they, they happened, I guess. You know what, though, I that, um, that first X-Files movie had a banging soundtrack. It had the, absolutely like, yeah. Walking after you by Foo Fighters, which is one of yeah. my favorite Foo Fighters tracks, possibly one of my favorite songs ever. Like, Oh, see now I'm, I'm confusing it now with songs in the key of x which was just um, a tv show soundtrack album <laughs> they're both fantastic i know i remember when it came out back when i wasn't watching the x files i was like but th- maybe this album because it's got a noel gallagher solo track of teotihuacan it's just like an instrumental thing it's a little guitar noodling and a like a an electronic beat behind it it's fine How can you noodle if you only know three chords it's not it wasn't a reason to buy the album and i never i didn't at that time mm. so it wouldn't have been what i wanted but yeah those two albums i i can't say which one for sure uh i know songs in the key of x has uh, foo fighters doing down in the park the gary newman cover mm-hmm. and i'd been listening to the album for a while when i first saw that episode i was like oh that that's it i know that one Nice. I mean, talking about X Files uh, episodes that stay with you, uh-huh. man. The the one that is that damaged me, <laughs> like the the peacocks, the peacock family. You know that one? I don't. Oh, know what home. Called. Home. That yeah, yeah. Oh gosh. <laughs> that is that, messed up. That is that's one they never reran. Episode. Right? Yeah. That's for yeah. good reason. No, that's that's a rough one. Yeah. Filmed in Utah, I think. Well, sure, okay. It's or kind of, filmed know, or takes like... place in Utah, but just it's it's you know rural mountain community. Yeah, that was a rough one. Um, that, that felt so like so you know to to you kids out there if you've never watched the X Files, there were a real mix of of themes for episodes. Sometimes it was like yeah, oh maybe it's it's something spooky, maybe it's something extraterrestrial. Sometimes it's just like real gritty, nasty human yeah. stuff, and this was one of those. Yeah, it's a an a inbred family. I, I don't know if we have a softer term for inbred now, but uh, yeah, it was it was it was a, a incestual generations like the intergenerational incest. Horrific. But yeah, I mean, like for a long time, like because there's birth defects. Yeah the the mother has the mother has no limbs right yeah so the mother was paraplegic on a gurney yeah like you would do if you're getting under your car to change the oil one of those exactly. slidey that they kept under the bed and they would wheel her out to breed with her Oof. and yeah it was all her children and they were all horribly deformed and that they had the house was like booby trapped it, it was kind of like a combination of like all the worst serial killer stories that you've heard, like you know, yeah, the kind of bring all the Ed Gein and yeah, uh, all that kind of uh, Ted Bundy, John Wayne Gacy, just like everybody, all that stuff. Yeah, yeah it had it had real Texas Chainsaw vibes. It really did. It really did. Texas Chainsaw plus, I mean, Texas had like some some weird inbred yeah. vibes going on as well. So. Yeah, but it, it yeah, that's a and here the thing about that is it's a rough episode, but it's not necessarily a great one. No. So if you if you don't revisit it, you're fine. If it's had its impact on you, that's 
it's not gonna you know you're not gonna get more out of it i think with repeat viewings yeah and and in the kind of like the like you talking about the, the kind of mythos of um x-files like the kind of narrative of it makes no difference yeah. if you see it or not really there's no exactly yeah it. it's nothing to do with the black oil there's no alex yeah. Krychek. there's no bees. It's, it's just a messed up piece um, of tv that will break your brain if you see it um, but on the on the other hand, there's episodes like the uh, there's a Christmas episode. Right. Oh, who who are the ghosts in that one? It's I want to say like Carl Reiner. How the ghosts stole Christmas. Okay, season six, episode six. So this might have been after you had uh, stepped away. Yeah. Yeah, Lily Tomlin and Ed Asner. Oh no way! Are the ghosts in that one? I love Lily Tomlin. So there's one writer in particular, and he gets like one or two episodes a season. And those episodes are always like standout episodes. There was the cockroach, you know, the cockroach episode? Yeah, 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 yeah. That That's one of his. Let me start with that. X-Files. Darren Morgan. He played the, the uh, fluke man in the season two episode, The Host. Uh, so he wrote that one. He wrote Jose Chung's From Outer Space. I feel uh, like I did see some of the more recent ones because there was an episode with a drag queen that I like in it. Uh, a drag queen called Shangela? I feel like she was in an X-Files episode. Oh yeah, that would have to be 10 or 11 then. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so X-Files, it's a good show. It's also <laughs> a very bad show at times. Yeah, and uh, you know, we're, you know we're, we're very contextually aware of the fact that it's Bloody hold now. Time marches on. Um, yeah. Times have changed, but I enjoyed it. I enjoyed the rewatch. And definitely told in a way that is not how we would handle a story like that now. Oh, all right. Well, Zen is offline. Um, you understand the point I was trying to make. It's fine. Oh no, my laptop died. I'm sorry. That was uh, a rather abrupt ending to our X-Files discussion. Sorry about that, but I do feel like it's a topic we could have gone on about for hours, so it's probably for the best. But that said, if you want to join the discussion, let us know what you think about uh, the X-Files pilot, the X-Files in general, or any of the topics that we've talked about on the podcast previously. All our socials can be found via Linktree, IISpod. We also have a fake Patreon where this week we won't be ranking our favourite celebrity moustaches of the mid-70s. It's all good fun. Thanks for listening. As always.